Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Episode number 27 of Tell Me Your Tales. My name's Brady Trailful, and on this podcast, I talk to people who I find interesting, wise, successful, and uh, yeah, pretty motivating to be around. And I ask them to come around or hit them up in Skype, and we just have conversations about their life and hear all about their tales. New introduction and closing music. Hope you liked it. That's a song I come across that was uh, free to use. And yeah, when you have a look in the show notes and check the track name, I think you'll see why I used it. And it's really catchy and a, and a really good song. Make sure you hang around at the end of the podcast and listen to it in full. It's uh, just me mixing it up a bit. I think I said on the last podcast that I'll try and change the introduction show song every uh, 25 or so episodes. So that's what's happening now. Hey, my guest today was amazing to sit down and talk to. His name's Shane Roberts, and he's an endurance-based athlete who comes out of a Chukamoama and actually a local policeman. We have a bit of a chat about that as well. Shane rides his bike for 24 hours in races, so some pretty amazing stuff he puts his body and his mind through and has a pretty impressive resume. He's um, won the 24-hour solo bike race up in Bright the last three years. He's come third at the Australian Championships over 24 hours up at Canberra. He's uh, won the Bendigo 100-mile race, so 160K a few times, and he's finished seven races where he's raced for 24 hours. Uh, I was pretty keen to get Shane on the show because I really wanted to know what happens to your body, what happens to your mind during those 24 hours, how you make sure you stay upright on your bike and yeah, try to unpack and get into his head a bit. And he was great. He uh, came around. We had visitors, I think, in the main house and we had guests in our little Airbnb unit out the back. So we went into the garage and he actually knew the people that owned my house before we bought it. So um, yeah, it was good to kind of chat about that. He'd been here before and then we kind of got into everything. I hope you enjoyed this show. If you've got an opportunity, a review on iTunes would be fantastic just to make sure we come up in more charts and stuff and more people uh, can get their ears on this kind of content. Um, What else have I got to tell you? I think that's pretty much it. Make sure you hang around at the end of the show to listen to this new song in full. Hope you enjoyed as much as I do. Anyway, have a good day, weekend, whatever you're doing. Cheers. Thanks for having me. I would welcome you, you to my house, but you've been here a few times before, which is a bit of a small world, so uh, we've already caught up about the kind of big sessions and the birthday parties and stuff yeah. we've been at here, so um, Absolutely. that's good. I've done some pre-season work here. 
Uh, what I usually get people to do, mate, is it, get them to introduce themselves. So yep. kind of give us a bit of a, a bit of a bio, a bit of a description about who you are. Sure, no worries. Um, so my name's Shane Roberts. I'm 40 years old. Um, been living in Echuca for 10 years now. Originally grew up eastern suburbs of Melbourne till I was, yeah, about 30. Um, met my wife in Echuca and we did oh, about three or four years of long distance relationship. So you were still in Melbourne, I was she still was in Echuca? Yep, yep. Yeah, yeah. So it was about that time I had an application in with Vic Police to join and um, it all sort of came together and I got accepted, moved up here and then, yeah, started a Vic Pole. We got married in 2008, 2009. And um, yeah, from then on, um, been happily living in Echuca since. I've uh, got two kids now, one's three, one's turning one next month. Um, I do a fair bit of cycling. Um, oh, my, yeah. Mainly mountain bike, uh, yeah, mainly cross country mountain bike based. Um, ultra endurance is my specialty, I suppose. So, um, over the last six years, I've competed in uh, seven 24 hour solo races um, and a number of other six hour, 12 hour events um, over the probably the last three to four years. I really stepped it up. Um, and I've just had a bit of a break probably last year from the full-on racing just with the birth of our second child and just managing my time a bit better. Still training heaps and getting in a few races where I can, but um, probably just backed it off a bit in the last 12 months, but hoping to step back into it this year again and um, get back a bit of form. Um, yeah, so that's probably my story yeah. in a nutshell <laughs> i can go a few directions from there first off yeah. what were you doing before you were police officer at 30. yeah um i was just laboring builders laborer work for a mate in melbourne for about three years while i had my application in with with the police my application there took a couple of years to that was just pretty slow with recruiting at the time so i just had to bide my time so i was doing the builders laborers job which was pretty easy come easy go like he knew i had an application in to do another job and so it was all good there and um you know i learned a lot of stuff about building obviously and, and that while i was there um and prior to that i'd had um my own business car detailing in melbourne i used to drive around with a little trailer and do some car detailing and stuff yeah, like right. that yep um and before that I was actually a postie on a motorbike yeah. for three years. I used to have a postie bike. Yeah. I'd be going to work on my postie. Yeah, and back then I was I was flat out in my dirt bike riding, so I used to think of it as like five days of extra training yeah. <laughs> that I could get in, which was really good because I had a really rough off-road round all around Mount Evelyn. Do you know Mount Evelyn? Uh, no. Yeah, no. Mount Evelyn's really rough, no footpaths. I used to love it in winter, like all the other posties thought I was mad. Cause I'd just be raining and I'd be just laughing. Just bouncing yeah, around. Yeah. yeah, so I did that for a few years. We got a little bit bored with it. Um, and yeah, look, prior to that, I think my first job leaving school was Reese Plumbing Supplies. I did about five years with them and um, actually took a year off and went traveling around Australia on my own and just sort of had a bit of an adventure and came back and then, yeah, got back into work and stuff like that. So, so. why the police force? Um, yeah, I don't know. It's a weird one. I I actually wanted to be a firefighter um, originally. Once I sort of decided on a career path, and uh, I tried out for it in Melbourne, so Melbourne um, Metropolitan Fire Brigade. And the time I sat the exam, I think there was thirty jobs available that year, and there was nearly six thousand applicants. So super competitive. I got through the exam and passed, but didn't get a high enough mark to make it through to the next round so back then i think it still is the case you got to wait 12 months before you can reapply oh, yeah, yeah. and in that time my younger brother had actually joined the coppers and um he was talking it up saying you know have you ever thought of it and i was like eh, i don't know i don't know if it's for me but i thought 
bugger it, I'll put in an application and see where it takes me. And yeah, I'm nearly 10 years into my career now. Yeah. 10, 10 years in October. Yeah, right. So yeah, I, I enjoy it. It's it's a big change. Um, You're based in Kyabram? Yep, based in Um Live here in Echuca. Um I originally did four years at Shepparton. So I traveled back and forward for four years, which got pretty taxing towards the end. Mm. Um, but yeah, I knew, you know, that Shepparton was a, a really good place to learn the job. That was the first station I went to and quite busy and get exposed to a lot of different stuff. So I thought, yeah, I'll make the most of it while I'm here. And then I had a few other guys I worked with that went across to Kyabram and had nothing but good things to say about it. So I thought, I'll make the switch. Yeah, right. And um, yeah, I love it. I've been at Kyabram now. Yeah, it'll be nearly six years. Yeah. So that's good. It's a good balance. Um, obviously it's shift work, but um, country policing's very different to Melbourne. Um, don't have access to as many resources so you got to sort of think on your feet a lot more and we probably do a bit more of everything rather than just specialise in one thing so yeah I enjoy it it's yeah, um, I always get intrigued by police officers like yeah. it's, I was running with um, Fabian Hitchinson the yeah. other morning and yeah. um, Wednesday morning we were running together and I didn't even know he was a police officer and then yeah. we started talking about 10k in and I was like yeah. oh, so many kind of questions and yeah. so you uniform like he was saying his uniform but then you've Correct. got the road guys and yeah. then the detectives yeah. and is that how Kai's set up as well? Yeah pretty much so we're we're all general duties at Kyabram just uniform policing um Echuca here have more um, uh, specialists here, so they've got highway patrol, they've got a detective's office, um, and so on. So we utilise those guys, but our station is, I think, strength of about 13 members. And yeah, we, we just work the three different shifts during the 24 hour block, and yeah, we just do general policing, yeah. country policing, so we can be doing anything from getting cows off the road to. Um, domestics and yeah it's pretty you know it's pretty varied what we do there'd never be a same day where it's nah and i think that's probably part of the attraction for a lot of people in the job that you turn up to work and although you know you're going to be there for the next eight hours minimum you just don't know what you're going to get so yeah it's like a lucky dip sometimes (laughs) so you just don't know what's going to happen sometimes not so lucky yeah yeah but you know it's uh any job has its moments i think and you know, it's what you make it. Do you find it rewarding, like knowing that you're contributing to society, yeah, full time job and making the world a better place in a way? Yeah, that absolutely. Cliche, but yeah, look, there's you know, there's some jobs that do stick in your mind, and you just think, you know, I sort of, I might have made a difference today. Um, but yeah, generally, um, the work we do, it's probably it's it's fairly repetitive, like any job, and a lot of times it's the same faces that <laughs> we deal with. It's just the nature of the work. Jeans and I'm not Jean. Fabian said the same thing the other day. Yeah, it? it's pretty much the same people, you know. Um, but yeah, look, there's definitely times where you go, that was pretty good. Or you know, that was a good experience. I'll take something from that, and it's no different to any other part of life, I think. Talk to him about those three different shifts. How are yeah. they, how are they spaced? Yeah, so we do now. Like when I first went to Kyabram, we we're actually only classed as a 16-hour station, so we would work a day shift and an afternoon shift, then someone would be on call overnight to cover any work that came in overnight. So I think we did that for probably three years that I was there. I don't know, probably four. So just in the last 12 months, it's changed now and we actually have a night shift. So we're, we're 24 hour response now, which has changed slightly. So now we do 6 a.m. day shifts, 2 p.m. afternoon shifts, and then the night shift go from 10 o'clock till six the next morning. Um, it's it's always a trade-off from on-call. Like on-call was probably a bit more inconvenience because you had to be available overnight and I never slept really well doing it. Um, so night shift has just changed things around, especially I've noticed it now with, with kids. It makes it a bit trickier with managing your time and picking up kids, dropping them off and daycare and the whole thing but um you manage it like you just work around it what time do you start and finish so night shift is 10 p.m till 6 a.m um and yeah obviously if you get it on time it's all good but like the other day i had to do 
four hours over time. So I didn't actually get home until about 11 o'clock in the morning. So that was pretty hard. Um, but it, that doesn't happen very often. So you just yeah. got to roll with it. Um, shift work probably in some ways might have given me an edge with 24-hour racing because I've learned to work sleep deprived and and know that I can push through it. Um, a lot of people with the type of racing I've done, their biggest fear is, you know, how am I going to stay awake that long? But it's it's probably not the worst part of it, yeah. the sleep side of it. Um, I don't know if you've had much sleep deprivation no, mate, over I sleep, time. I sleep like a baby. Um, yeah. You run hard during the day and then you're in bed at yeah. night and up at six. I've got it pretty well, um, pretty pretty sorted. well sorted out, yeah. But yeah, it's amazing, uh, you know, it sort of opened my eyes to what, probably not what you can get away with, but what the body can do. Yeah. How far um, you push. Yeah, how far you can push it. Um, so yeah, look, shift work um, definitely makes it trickier to keep a regular training schedule as, with my riding. But um, I enlisted a coach two years ago from Bendigo, and um, just got a lot more structure in my training. And I probably used to use the shift work as an excuse that I couldn't regularly train. Um, but he'd actually worked with quite a few other police officers in, in their training. And he said, yeah, no, we've, we've worked around it in the past. And I was able to get a pretty, pretty regular training thing going, even though I worked different hours, you know, during a week I could do anything up to three different shifts, you know, over the week. So, um, regularity is the key. And even if I have a day off or work late at night, I'll still get up early and train. Probably training in the morning's ideal for me because um, it's less impact on home time and time with the kids. And So, yeah, you just deal with it. Yeah. Sleeps, you know, sometimes sleeps a bonus. Yeah. <laughs> well, you chuck the kids in there as well. Yeah. Like, it's not like you're just juggling night shift. And nah. Training hard. You've got nah. kids as well. And I'll tell you, like shift work, you think sometimes you're tired. But once you've got a couple of kids and ours haven't been probably the world's best sleepers that throws a whole nother spin on it yeah. when you're getting up through the night yeah. and then you know the alarm goes off at five or whatever in the morning and you've got to jump on your bike and you just go mm, I'm a bit weary today so let's talk about the bike stuff so yeah. when did so your kid riding bmx's around melbourne like yes and yeah then how did it develop into yeah know, look i guess i always um always loved my bikes uh and definitely as a kid used to love riding my bmx we'd just hang out for school holidays and then we go and build jumps and that was what we did pretty much for two weeks flat out. I had a good group of mates that we all loved doing the same thing. Um, so I probably did that and then I started off on, I got a dirt bike. Mum and dad bought me and my younger brother a dirt bike to share and we had a bit of land out at Wonga Park. Mum and dad had a block of land out there and was on a bit of a hill so I, that was the first motorbike I'd really learnt to ride properly and yeah we started riding around there and obviously that didn't take long and I was like, I'm getting a bit bored with this I need to join a motorbike club or a motorbike track or something so we joined the little Nutter Wadding motocross club back then and um, started riding there and then you know wasn't long I said dad need a quicker bike and something with better suspension and so I just went on from there and I think I was about 14 yeah 13 or 14 then did that till I was about 17, the motocross thing, and did all right with it. Had a couple of decent injuries and um, things along the way, but nothing too serious. Did a couple of really good uh, like training schools and learnt some pretty valuable stuff that has it's carried me through to my mountain biking today. Like the principles are very similar, riding a dirt bike to a mountain bike. It's just one you got an engine and one you got a pedal really but so I did that got back into a bit of BMX racing when I was 17 and then once I was 18 I bought a trail bike that I could ride in the bush that was registered and everything and then I did that right through until probably a year after I joined the police and then sort of started focusing on the cycling and getting fit and yeah it was funny like I thought I was fit when I went through the academy and I was at about 87, 88 kilos, and um, I've lost about 14 kilos since then. So yeah, I, it was funny how it changed 
you know, I was fit for the sport I was doing at the time, but definitely not cardio fit. Yeah, and I think sometimes it depends who you hang around in society, but mm. sometimes you think you're fit until you start talking to an ultra endurance athlete. Yeah. Or, uh, someone who does Ironmans, you know, you're fit because yep. you can run 3K in yeah. 10 minutes and you think, yeah. you, but you can't go out there for no. seven hours. Like, it's a whole no. different level of fit. Working with the footy guys at the moment, that's the biggest thing I'm trying to drill into them. Like, they yeah. think they're fit because they're training twice a week and doing one yeah. extra run. And I'm like, yeah. No. Since he's doing 13 hours of exercise a week and he's just a good age group, but like, yeah. put in the time and the effort. Oh, it, it blows my mind, you know, like I'm 40 now and the racing doesn't get any easier. Mm. Guys are still, it's all relative, you know, they're just as fit as the guys you're racing against when you were 30. Yeah. You know, it's, and it probably gets worse as you get a bit older because some of the guys have got more time to yeah. train. But yeah, definitely like, you know, and that's probably how I got into the 24-hour the racing. I, I did a few team ones where I'd race with, like we'd do a team of four and you'd race them like a relay. So one guy goes out and does a lap, comes in, then you go out and do a lap and you, and you just keep going for the 24 hours. And um, I'd see these 24-hour solo guys and just see that, like, these guys are mad. They're just, these guys are hardcore. How the hell can you ride a bike for 24 hours straight? And back then they weren't even really pushing it. Like they would do a lap, have a rest, go again, do a lap. The way it's changed now, probably in the last five years, is it's just on for 24 hours. Like you cannot afford to take a break. So it, it just blew me away that you could do that. And I thought, that's I'm gonna have to try that. <laughs> so once I started getting fit, I thought, yeah, I'm gonna have to give one a go and just see if I can actually finish one. And yeah, I just got the bug, I guess. Okay, so yeah, so yeah. you've given up the motorbike, you've got yeah. into this mountain biking and then endurance racing's come along. Yeah. Um, which is like, yeah, I get my kicks out of running marathons, but it's yeah. 2 hours and 20 minutes and it's over. But yep. what was the first 12 hour one like? Um, 100 mile or what's Yeah, it? yeah, so there, I started out probably doing, yeah, the six hour races yep. solo and, I, and they were a good lead into it. And are they all, sorry to interrupt, but are they all like a circuit, like you do yeah. a 5k circuit or whatever, you just keep Correct. going for So they're lap, they'll be lap based events. So you've got like a central, you know, like a transition area where you come through every lap, um, where your laps, your lap time's recorded. Um, the lap distances vary, you know, anything from... 10Ks to some some of the races I've done, they might even be up to 18, 20Ks a lap. So you can be talking about an hour before you actually come back. Um, but yeah, generally it's a lap-based event. It's all marked. Um, you don't have to navigate. It'd be technical too though, wouldn't it? Yeah, very technical. Um, some of the ones I've done in Canberra, like Mount Stromo, it's a pretty tough, relentless course. You know, it's got rocks, it's got tree roots, you've got logs, you've got... Yeah, steep hills up and down, um, water ruts, you know. So over a 24-hour period, there's a lot going on. Um, and even just to get your bikes to finish that distance, you know, like you can run multiple bikes and you've, I always had a spare. Some guys are running three bikes and because obviously the worst the conditions were, like if it's muddy and the bikes would only last two, two to three hours and then they'd need a good clean and so the really good operators were running you know multiple bikes and you just jump from one to the other and that'd save time um yeah so i i did a lot of the six hour races leading into it and then i did a 12 hour race and i was like man 12 hours that's a long time and then i thought you know i want to do double this <laughs> and uh you know i just i remember the first 24 hour i did it was down in um forests like so down in the otways yeah and it was muddy like it was just horrendous conditions it rained for two days straight before the event and i actually thought they'd probably call it off but they said nah it's a mountain bike race you know it's going to be on regardless and i actually only had one bike for that one and uh, it was a steep learning curve but yeah i got through it uh, you know i took a few breaks towards the end but nothing more than probably 10 15 minutes where i'd sit down and just have a rest and out get, of six hours uh, out, of 24, out of 24, out of 24, yeah, yeah, and I was really surprised, you know, I finished, like, I think it was about sixth overall, like, it just blew my mind, because I, I thought, you know, I'll be happy just to be still out there in 24 hours time, 
Um, and that's the thing with them, I suppose. You can you can take a break the whole night if you want. As long as you're still out there at the end, you're still classed as a, as a finish. So you're not, even though you might have taken eight hours break, you know, obviously you're going to be way off the lead pace, but you're still circulating in the end, so you'll still be a finish. And I sort of thought that's where I'd be at. But, um, yeah, I don't know, I just sort of pushed on and, yeah, knew nothing about nutrition, um, hydration. I just sort of winged it, you know, like I was pretty naive. Do you think being a bit naive, naive has probably helped you, though? Or oh, yeah. Had all that information, might have yeah. yourself out of it. Or yeah, what? I sort of went into it thinking, oh, look, it's going to be pretty epic, but, you know, I reckon I can get through it. Yeah. And then... You know, as the more more racing I did, I was like, "There's, you know, this nutrition thing. I've got to get onto this. Yeah. Like, oh, I think I'm missing something here." <laughs> you know, um, and and even just what to drink, how much to drink, all that. You know, I learned so much probably in the last five years that you know, and it's so it highlighted to me. It wasn't just about fitness, but there's there's a lot more going on that if you want to race at the pointy end. You know, you've you've really got to leave no stone unturned. It's similar to the marathon, like yeah. you've got to. Um, I was the same, really. Yeah. My first marathon. Yeah. Don't want to drink too much. I'll get a stitch. But yep. when you hit a wall, you're like, yeah. yeah. Would have been better to <laughs> to actually have that gel and have a stitch for two k and not hit yeah. a wall for seven. It's um. Absolutely. But where does that? I want to know where does that drive come from? Like, because yeah. you're not getting paid. Stacking no. Is no. Is there any prize money? In yeah, there? there is prize there's money, but you know, for most of the events, yeah. No, nah, for most of the events, it would be lucky to cover your costs yeah. to get to the race and everything for the weekend. Publicity, you're not getting famous. So, like, where nah. does that Shane Roberts drive come from to yeah. really push yourself for 24 hours? Oh, I think I've always been... I love to push the limits. Like, even when I was riding dirt bikes, for eight years in a row, I ran a, I ran a four-day ride that I had all the same guys come every year, and we do... It was about a 1,000 k's in four days on off-road. And they just loved it. They thought, this is just mad that you've put this together and, you know, going to lead us around for four days through, you know, pretty much the whole high country of Victoria. And, but, you know, I used to cop a bit of flack off some other guys and they're like, oh, that's, that's too much, you know, you shouldn't take them that far and it's just, it's ridiculous. And, but I really enjoyed it. And, um, you know, I've probably done similar things even when I was, I can remember as a young kid on my BMX, one time we rode... A mate of mine lived out Beaconsfield or something, and we rode to Belgrave and back. I'm like, I can't remember how far it was, but I remember it took us all day. We're on BMXs, and it was like the middle of summer. We didn't take any water. <laughs> I think we got there, and it was like, did you bring any money? He goes, No, nah, I thought you bought some money. And um, I think we went and bought some a couple of bucks off this old bloke, and we bought a peanut butter sandwich and shared it, and rode back. You know, and I just think like. I don't know if kids would. I don't know if kids would do that today. No. I, I don't know. But there's got to be something in that from yeah. early on that you were. Yeah. You know, willing to push yourself and loved endurance and yeah. being on an adventure and. Yeah. Like I, oh, I couldn't even imagine riding a BMX that far now, yeah. <laughs> and it was forty degrees or something. Yeah. But yeah, I've always probably liked to um, push push it to the edge a bit and just see what you can get away with. And twenty four hour racing is it's very much that like. Um, I don't think any two races I've done have been the same with heat or the pain level and the, the suffering is probably the same. But um, the way the race unfolds, they've all been a bit different, you know, and just the conditions and whether it's muddy and really crappy conditions or if it's hot, like a few of them I've done where... Because the traditional format is a midday start, midday to midday. So if it's warm, you know, you're starting in the heat of the day. So that's something you've got to really respect and and deal with that through the day till it cools down at night otherwise you can do so much damage in those first few hours that it'll all be over yeah and of course you like you have the light and stuff like it's not yep. lit up no nah, of course isn't lit up so you've got to run really good night. lights yeah yep. um you've got to have enough batteries and stuff obviously to get you through the night because if your lights run out midway around the lap it's pretty hard to see <laughs> 2 a.m in the morning yeah and you're getting tired yeah and then you know someone might come past you with a light but if they're a quicker rider you know you're going to be struggling to jump on their wheel just to be able to follow someone that's got a light yeah so yeah you got to be really organized with all that sort of stuff and you know i learned a fair bit about all that too um but yeah i guess the drive side of it you know i, I just really enjoyed that that test of you know 
how long can I go for? Um, and you know, you you definitely go through these periods in those races. It's it's an emotional roller coaster for twenty four hours, but probably the self doubt it, it can be the biggest thing that will bring you unstuck. You know, have I trained enough? Have I been drinking enough? Have I eaten enough? You know, and slept enough. Yeah, and and this is you know when you even just to be able to circulate for twenty four hours. But if you really want to race them and and be up near the front, it's so many things are going to go right. Um, and there's probably a little bit of luck, but I've learned it's a lot more preparation and planning than than luck. <laughs> the luck side of it is definitely there, but you know there's the current world champion and Australian champion, he's been unbeaten now for, I think coming on 10 years. And that's, that's not luck. That's not luck. <laughs> that ain't luck. He's training hard, that bloke. Yeah. There'd be some dark, I can imagine, naturally, no, I don't. I, yeah. I was on a treadmill yesterday for an hour and I was just comparing how ups and how, this is easy, this is the yeah. best cake that I, and then you're like, oh crap, this is hard, I've still got 40 minutes to go. Like, yeah. It'd have to be that times 24 hours. Oh, you? Like, do you yeah. Do you peaks and troughs where you're like, I've got yeah. this, and then it's like, I've got yeah. to get off the bike, I can't yeah. Yeah, I know. Like the last one I did uh, was November 2015. So that was in Bright. And it was probably my best result, but I went through some pretty dark times in that race. And then you're just like, you know, I could just, I could just stop now and the pain will stop. I could just get off my bike and, just, and that's it. You know, and then, but the, I don't know, I sort of felt I'm letting, I'll let myself down, but also I had two mates there that were my pit crew and they've been there at every race for me and I sort of thought, you know, I'd be letting them down if I do stop because I had no reason other than I just wanted the pain to go away. Oh, yeah. You know, fair enough if you're injured or the bike is completely unrideable. Yeah, emergency to get back yeah. to something like that, yeah. But, but other than just your own selfish, you know, I've had enough and I'm spat the dummy. And, and that, I suppose that's what pushed me to keep going and in the end, you know, it was one of my best results. I covered the most distance I'd ever done in a 24-hour race. And I even, like, I was, I was leading by two laps by the end. And I came in with, I don't know, I had half an hour to go. And they're just, they were starting to pack up. And they're going, yeah, all right, good work. And I said, no, I'll just go and do another lap. And they're like, are you serious? Two I laps go, ahead, you don't yeah. need to, yeah. So I went and did another lap. And, you know, I was out there for 24 and a half hours straight. And I think I had less than 10 minutes off the bike in the whole race. That's insane. Yeah. So what is that 10 minute, like was that 10 minutes in one chunk? No, that, that was over the minutes? whole 24 hours. So there was probably the first 12 hours of the race, I was just doing rolling stops. So I wouldn't even actually get off the bike as I came through transition. So, and I learned all this from the guys that have been doing it for a while. You'd actually have both pit crew guys with one and have your drink and one and have your food. So you go past one of them, grab a fresh bottle, and as you came back the other way, then you grab your food. So you didn't actually try and have to grab two things at once and, and it gets a bit awkward. Over, yeah. So I literally, you know, I'd probably slow down to 15 Ks an hour or something as I went through transition, but that was it, just kept going. And then it was only through the night, stopping to change lights, batteries, and then I did a bike change, I think a couple of times during that race. but. That was really the only stops I had, and, and the odd nature break yep. was I haven't perfected the technique of having a slash while riding. Quite right, yeah. But there's a few guys that have. Uh, I can't. We've had it end up over yeah. yeah. <laughs> that being a mess. So there, there was the odd nature break. Um, but yeah, it and I sort of look back on that race now, and it just it still sort of blows my mind that I did that. But at the time, you just sort of you're in such a world of suffering that you just, you want it to be over. But then there's this massive adrenaline dump at the end. You yeah. know, when you finish, even after 24 hours, you can still get that adrenaline kick. You, you know? must have strategies in your mind though. Is it, yeah. you just get, okay, you can quit, but you just gotta do one more lap. Yeah. Or is it get to the next gel or get to the yep. next water bottle? Yeah, absolutely. I always, always be playing tricks on yourself. Yep, and I always had little incentives along the way. Like I'd have, you know, my favorite foods or I'm a real sucker for um, icebreaker iced coffee. Yeah. So yeah. through the night, I'd um, be like, next lap, I'm getting some icebreaker iced coffee. And they're like, right, I'll get that ready for you. And, um, so little things like that, you could just tick off along the way. It just takes your mind off the, 
the suffering for a bit. Um, caffeine, I'm a bit of a caffeine junkie, so that would be my little incentive as the race wore on. Like, I wouldn't have any for probably the first 12 to 14 hours. And you go off in the days leading up to it? So oh, I, I tried that yeah. with some races, and it worked to a certain extent. But I found just cutting it back a bit was just as effective. I went through some pretty nasty caffeine withdrawals <laughs> going off it. So I thought, nah, rather than go completely off it, just wean it back a bit. And you definitely notice the effects more come race day if you just sort of wind it back a bit. Um, but, you know, in saying that, I think in that bright race from from the whole... Like, for the whole 24 and a half hours, I went through something like 30 gels, not all caffeine, but I think around 20 of them were caffeine ones at 80 milligrams a hit. So I don't know, that's that's a lot of coffees. Yeah, so where does that, <laughs> I'm just thinking, where's that fine line between yeah. like you're keeping yourself on a bike, but that can't be good. Like gels have got some nah. terrible thing, and you yeah. know, that much caffeine in that short, well, not short, yeah. 24 hour period of time. Yeah. Where does that fine line of, this is for performance, but it's also could be impacting your health. Yeah. And look, I've, I've learned a lot from what the other guys do and what they eat, what they drink. And that, that sort of formula of, I would eat pretty much all solid food for the first 12 to 16 hours. I could usually get away with it. Um, and like most of the other guys, from 16 hours onwards, you just seem to have this point where solid food it's really difficult to get down for some reason um some guys can do it but the softer the better so i was just running for the last sort of eight hours i would run on bananas gels um a bit of flavored milk you know pikelets even just little things yeah. like pikelets with a bit of jam on them and, Hard hit, yeah. and i learned um rather than stopping and eating you would get the guys to cut it all up into smaller pieces and just put it in like a disposable paper cup and I'd come through and you just knock it back as you go through and then you just there's bins along the course or there's bins as you head out of transition and you just dump the cup and off you go so little things like that and even pizza like I used to love my pizza through the night so I'd get them to cut it up into small pieces and yeah I'd be enjoying my pizza at four o'clock in the morning you're pretty good at riding one hand too yeah oh you get really good at, at doing everything on the bike you know you just minimise the time that you're stopping and yeah, you just do everything. Everything on the bike. Eating, drinking. Yep. Have yeah. there been some times where... Have you pulled out of any races, like the long ones? No. Like you've gone over no, the No, that's sort of been my thing that I just... You know, I've had... And I've had some injuries. Nothing that's stopped me. But, you know, I've had some pretty good offs where I've been banged up. And I thought, no, nah, I can still ride. I can still put the pedals down. So I've never actually pulled out of one. I've been pretty close you know with some of them with the conditions have just been horrid and the first three 24-hour races I did were all in mud and rain and I was just so I don't know whether that toughened me up a bit because the rest that I did were all in reasonably good conditions as far as weather goes so they actually seemed a bit easier um, but yeah no, never DNF'd in one and I've always you know ridden the whole time never taken you know hours breaks yeah just keep riding as much as i can because if you guys that do that when they like your 24 hour yeah. endurance rider but you slow for four yeah oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and you know for some still good on them. yeah still amazing effort but yeah. yeah what you're doing is a whole different level yeah when you actually want to race one you know from start to finish um there's yeah there's you just can't afford to spend any time you know off the bike any significant time anyway um because you know it can come down to seconds and minutes like over 24 hours it, it used to blow me away that like there was the nationals i did at canberra in 2015 and i literally had to race the last two hours so it was like three or four laps to try and keep the position i was in because there was the guy behind me was making up a bit of time and you know we got within a minute of each other over 24 hours so it just it freaks you out that yeah, at that point where all you want to do is just get off the bike and stop, but you've actually, you've got to pull your finger out or you're going to lose a spot, you know. And I mean, obviously it's not the end of the world if you lose a spot, but you're there to race and you're there to be competitive. Especially 23 hours <laughs> in, like, you, you, you committed a bit of time already to Yeah, it. so, you know, and um, 
and even with that race, you know, his pit crew came over to my pit crew and they said, oh, you know, are you happy to leave the positions the way they are or is Shane going to keep racing? And they're like, no, nah, he's here to race. Yeah. He's going to keep racing. And they're like, oh, okay, righto. Because it was, we'd worked out the times that we were going to come in just before the 24-hour mark and he would have come in as well. So it was going to force me to do another lap to keep my position or else he would have overtaken me. And so, yeah, we, I think we were out there for nearly 25 hours. Awesome stuff. <laughs> pretty inspiring. It's pretty nuts. Um, yeah. You've got a mantra? What do you live by? Yeah, I think um, be, be honest, be respectful to everyone. Like, and that's, that just goes with everything, you know, I've learned in life if you give respect more often than not you're going to get it back um doesn't always work but um yeah be honest and um just enjoy whatever it is you're doing you know like um i although i've got my interest in sport and like you do with your running i always love talking to other people with what, what they do that's why know? i want to start this podcast just yeah. to talk to people and be like come around and just tell me some stories or anything because i get that that's their thing, you know. They yeah. might look at mountain biking and go, oh, why would you want to ride a mountain bike for 24 hours? That just sounds terrible. But, you know, like, talking to other elite athletes and anyone that, in whatever sport they do, you know, they're, and they're just passionate about it. Um, yeah, I love just that network. And I think we're pretty lucky here in Echukamara. We've got a pretty good broad range of athletes that it blows me away for a smaller town country town that you know we've, we've got so many high level athletes in different sports um you know and i've been involved in the tri club over the years not not now because i've got it more into the mountain biking and you know you see the guys in there that are doing really well and all ages you know from the young kids right through to sandy and steve gray you know they're in their mid-40s and they're still smashing it so it's good gives me hope that i've still got a few more years to go Two years left in the year, yeah but yeah, definitely that, you know, honesty, respect. Um, you'll get it back, you know, in in everyday life. Yeah, yeah. and their words that when you talk about the community, choose my own sporting community, I reckon, yeah. you know, respect. It's not like, you know, runners are talking to the triathletes or talking to swimmers and you can yeah. link in with a footy club. It's like it all just goes around a circle rather than, yep. I'm a runner, don't know anything about triathletes, I don't know anything about swimming or mountain biking. That's like it. Everyone seems to just get on with... Um, yeah. yeah, with each other. It was like we put on this clinic yesterday. I pretty much just rang up Briggsy, could you come do one, Sandy? Like I just got yeah. 10 people together to run workshops. Yep. Got 150 kids there. All yeah. the parents thought it was amazing. That's but I'm like, yeah. it's pretty easy. Like Stevie yeah. Gray's doing core, Archie Reed's doing something over here, Nikki's yep. doing something. Like it's just a matter of. That network. No one said no. Like every yeah. person I asked, for fresh, yeah, we want to give you some fruit and veg. Like it was yeah. very lucky. Which brings me on to yeah. our environment here. You must love it. Yeah, oh, as a mountain biker, a mountain you bike, couldn't get yeah. a better place to live, really. Hills, though. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, look, it's it's not great for my chosen sport, <laughs> uh, I'll be honest. But majority of my training, I do on a road bike. So probably, I generally train five, six days a week. Probably one day a week is on the mountain bike, sometimes two. Uh, but all my stuff is road bike based and just because it's a bit easier it's there's a regular group that go every morning um that group mentality training sometimes is hard to beat you know just when your motivation might be a bit low it's it's sometimes easier to get out with a group and then you don't feel as flat um but yeah mountain biking wise i generally just head out the five mile there's a pretty good course out there that we've got we're pretty lucky to have yeah, why do you guys people who don't understand mountain biking yeah. or like sport in general yeah no idea how lucky we are to have that out there yeah and although it lacks you know any significant climbs um it's enough for me to keep up my bike skills um just to practice cornering and they got the little skills park at the top and even just little things like riding those these little narrow timber bridges and that's all really basic stuff that you need to practice as a mountain biker because you need that coordination although you need to be you know if you want to race competitively you've got to be fit you still got to have good bike skills because mountain biking is totally different to riding on the road do many people use it out there yeah it gets it, yeah. gets a fair bit of use and uh we've just got 
Clifton Mountain Bike Club uh, up and running. Yeah, so we're hoping um, to yeah, over the next few months going to start running some races on a Sunday morning, just probably two a month, and we'll just you know have a, like a come and try day. People can come out and just have a go and see if they like it. And I think the beauty of it is you don't need a flash bike. You can rock up there and you came out special if you want. Yeah, it's because yeah. the track's not super difficult. <clears throat> you can get around it on just about anything. So encourage anyone, you know, footy players or whatever, rock up there and your runners and have a go. Um, you know, even just talking to Warren Lowry the other day, like he's really keen, although he's a triathlete and all his mates are tri, he said, yeah, we're going to come out and give it a rip. We love it. So I think it's it's a resource out there we probably don't use enough and we, we need to start using it more. But socially, like I've noticed, I go out there a bit, there's always people out there riding. Yeah, right. I've run out there a couple of times. Yeah. Especially kids, like kids yep. just testing their skills and going down the hills. And, yeah. 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 So, um, yeah, although Echuca lacks any hills, um, for me, um, plenty of wind. We get lots of wind. Yeah. So I can do some good training into a nice solid headwind. Yeah. And you ride to work over in Kaiabi? <laughs> yeah, sometimes. Yeah. yeah. I can I can commute to work. I just sort of go a few back roads here and there and stay off the main roads, but... Um, yeah, I have ridden to work quite a bit, um, which isn't a bad. It sort of gives me about 45, 50Ks each way. Um, and yeah, generally, most of my riding I'll do either before work or after work um, through the week and then, you know, one longer ride a week of sort of three to four hours. But And that was probably something I learned with getting a coach. I was overtraining big time <laughs> coming up to a lot of these races. And um, once I got a bit more structure and actually more specified training, I cut back the hours. So it was just the quality over quantity theory. And it works. It really does work. I've just learned that the hard way in the last <laughs> couple of months. Just so, yeah? Yeah. More is not always more. Nah. Especially when blood work comes back and saying, yeah. It's not You're feeling fit, but you're also pretty tired. And blood, yeah. Bloods don't like kind of thing. It's, That's um, right. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, look... Um, you know, I, I do enjoy um, the training here. And, and I think that's a beauty of, like, even in those morning bunch rides, we've got guys from the tri club, we've got guys from the cycling club. There's some good banter too. Yeah, there, there is, yeah. And there's mountain bikers in there. And, you know, I've even gone out in the road bike bunch on my mountain bike just to stir them up. And, yeah, they don't like it. But I still get around. They, <laughs> they can't shake me. Yeah. <laughs> no, I've competed in a team triathlon with you before. I know yeah. handy on the road as well. Yeah. Yeah, so, look, good place to live and, you know, it's the fittest I've ever been in my life since I've moved up here and it's probably been, being a city boy, moving to the country, um, it's been a good change and I wouldn't, I wouldn't go back to Melbourne now after having country life for nearly 10 years. How have you seen a chicken change or in Melbourne change that last 10 years? Oh, yeah, I reckon it's, you know, things like Bunnings and... Um, more shops and and the, the town is growing definitely um and probably Moama that's the biggest thing I've noticed with the when I'm riding out to the five mile all the housing out Paracuta Road like that was all just paddocks when I got here vineyards and stuff yeah sound like an old man but that was only 10 years ago yeah. um but yeah it's definitely grown you know and I think probably the sporting side like I know when I first stumbled across the triathlon club i was just riding my bike down the vic boat ramp on a wednesday night and i saw these guys running up the boat ramp and they had numbers drawn on their arm going what's this and i stopped and spoke to mick banfield and he goes oh yeah we've got this regular triathlon thing we do on wednesday nights i'm like really he goes yeah come down you can do it on your mountain bike i'm like serious so next week i turned up and i think i did the first half a dozen of them on my mountain bike and yeah i just i think that has evolved you know i know now that the tri club has got a really good member base you know it's just grown every year and i think people just love that accessibility that on a wednesday night it's regular for six months of the year you can ride your bike down to the start of the event do the event and then go and have a beer and go home yeah it's pretty good and even that inclusiveness like that 
entry level stuff. Like yeah. the tri club, anyone can rock up and do that. Like kids on yep. mountain bikes or whatever. Like, but then yep. you're talking about starting this mountain biking club, yeah. up, um, park run starting in a couple of weeks. Yeah, time. we're doing free community runs on a Monday night for all yep. abilities or walks. Like, yeah. it's a pretty exciting time. That yeah. if you want to get fit and healthy, there's a lot of options that oh, yeah. cost you an arm and a leg. People aren't going to yeah. hopefully intimidate you. Yep, and it's got to be good for our community going forward. Yeah. Yeah, I like and that park run, you know, I saw you down there the other week, and and like I took my son, you know, and and he just loved it. Like he's only three, and admittedly I took him in the pram for most of it, but he got out and ran. He ran about three different legs on the run, and he got back. And he's like, Dad, when can we do the next one? And like that, just I just love all that. Yeah, you know, it's so good to get your kids out doing stuff yeah. like that. And there was other kids there, and then after it, you know, then he's hooked up with a couple other kids, and they're off down the playground and. And you know it doesn't cost you a cent. You just rock up and yeah. do it, and and it shouldn't cost you a cent. Like no. it's, you know, it's a, yep. getting a group of people together, run five k together, and get yeah, home. like it's yeah. yeah. No, and it was really good to see. You know, I think would they get about sixty people or something just rock up for a trial? It's meant to be a meant to be a top secret <laughs> trial, run. worst kept yeah. secret. Getting yeah. That one. So you know, I think I've noticed over the ten years I've been here that yeah, the the options for exercising have probably increased heaps yeah um and you know it's all positive you know you get and like you say from entry level through to your elite level there's something for everyone yeah you know and that was how i got into the tri club like i, I dropped up with me mountain bike and a dirty old pair of runners and yeah. had a go that's <laughs> and, what excites me the most like even yeah. there's 150 kids yesterday i'm like yeah some of the, like some of these kids are going to be at the olympics in five years time. Yep. you know you never know where they're going to like we're just planting their seed like you said yeah. the seed was planted and now you've got yep. them to do these amazing things but it's all got to start somewhere and if we give yeah. these kids especially the opportunities to oh yeah yeah like you're a young fella like he's, yeah yeah he's going to remember getting out of the pram yep. in the last k and it's gonna and everyone yeah everyone says to me oh you know he's going to be a little champion on the bike and i'm like i don't i don't push him to do the bike ride, like he loves riding his bike. Don't get me wrong, but I'm just happy if he gets outside and and is healthy and exercise and doing whatever. You know, he he loves his soccer, so he could he could be a soccer player for all I know. Just give him the opportunity yeah. to see where they want to take it, what they're yeah. passionate about. Yeah, and you know we've all like that thing with the kids. You know, we've we've all got an engine, and you know some people just don't know what they've got until they try something. Yeah, you know, and I think. With my mountain biking, that's in mean, probably some ways I might have been destined for it, and I just stumbled across it and thought, oh, I'll give this a go. And yeah, you don't know what you're capable of until you can actually give it a rip. For sure. <laughs> I want to finish off, mate. Yeah. How do you define success? Oh, success. Yeah, it is. And you sort of, you know, I look back, probably 2015 was probably the best year I had on the bike as far as my riding was going but at the time you sort of think oh i'm on pretty good roll here next year i'll i'll try and go better again and so at the time sometimes with success you don't even know you're there at that at that time um probably i think you see it with a lot of elite sports because they might be the best at their chosen sport but they mightn't be a good person <laughs> so i think to have that you know back to that respect Thing. I think success evolves a lot around respect and the respect from the people around you, whether it's work or sport or just everyday life, you know. Um, yeah, I think I think the respect thing is probably where success is at. And and I know some of the, the best races I've been at haven't been my best result, but I've just ticked a big box, you know, with, with what I've done and gone you know that was just an awesome day and well, i really enjoyed that that time on the bike and and but i didn't win the race <laughs> so yeah and then there's obviously been other ones where i've won it and i'm like mm, and it was a bit of a a flat feeling and, and you just don't know i don't know why but yeah obviously it's always it's good to win but <clears throat> that, that doesn't define success all the time, it doesn't does it? no it's funny no. people who win stuff that i wouldn't say is successful yeah so success you know i think he's getting the respect of others around you and and um and just yeah 
I think that's probably it. I think you've done that, mate. You're yeah. a wonderful contributor to our yeah. community here. And yeah. Thanks for your, for your time. Any, anywhere people can follow you online or anything? Oh, you got oh I get on Facebook. Instagram. Yeah, Facebook. I put, you know, pretty regular updates of any races I do on there. And um, obviously Strava, you know, about yeah, Strava. Yeah. If it's not on Strava, it didn't happen. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm pretty pretty active on Strava and Facebook. But That'd yeah. definitely be the best spot, wouldn't it? Your Strava's pretty impressive. Yeah, it's got some pretty mind-boggling numbers in there. I think, actually, the other week I just noticed I ticked over 100,000 Ks logged on Strava in uh, five years. So I think 100,000? Yeah. <laughs> so I was telling my missus, and she's like, I haven't even done that many Ks in my car. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's, it's a really good training tool, the old Strava, and it can be a little bit addictive, but it's pretty good to look back on, on your stats after a few years and go, wow, you know, I've actually done all that. Yeah. Whereas before, I know I used to keep a bit of a handwritten log. Yeah. Um, same here. Yeah. Old school. Yeah. Yeah. But I still old... think that's good, the old school one. Like, I'll look back and yeah. see, like, handwritten notes. And yep. Sometimes, I, you know, you don't put the notes in when you do the Strava sometimes. That's and I it. just let the stats do the talking there, but it's always good to see yep. how you were feeling with that old school diary. Yeah. But, yeah, the old Facebook and Strava, I'm always on there. Anything coming up? Um, we've got a couple of races in May, so there's a six-hour pairs race I'm going to do mid-May, and then a six-hour the weekend after, and then the weekend after that we've actually got the, the three-hour race out here at the five-mile. Yeah. So May's going to be a pretty good month, and then, um, yeah, probably try and knock out a few of the other six-hour rounds. I think there's seven rounds for the year. They finish in December, and yeah. Haven't ruled out doing another 24 hours this year. Might be on the cards. Well, if I can just get get me time management under control. Watch this space. Yeah. So, yeah, I'll be around. I'm definitely not going anywhere. Beautiful, mate. Thanks yeah. for your time today. Thanks, Brady. Cheers.
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.